Good afternoon and welcome to SJ at Noon, another installment of your weekly SJHL Talk. Rory McGoran, along with the Nugs, Jamie Nugabauer, of course, bringing you your Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League lunchtime edition every Monday. And we are going to start with the biggest news across the province, uh, of course. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers beating oh, the Saskatchewan man. Rough Riders and advancing to <laughs> the Get off Cup. the show, Rory. Get off the show. <laughs> Can we get this guy fired, please? Get him off the show. <laughs> I had to do it. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. No, you didn't. Yeah, it's close. Let's game. get on with the show. You guys made it interesting. Let's get on with the yeah. show. All right, let's get on. Uh, the biggest news, of course, and uh, not one that you ever want to see across the landscape of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, and that's the Nippon Hawks um, releasing Doug Johnson 11 and a half years, three Coach of the Year awards, one SJHL championship of his duties. I just want to throw it to you and first your thoughts on uh, that move by the Nippon Hawks. Yeah, I mean, you know what they say, right? All coaches are hired to be fired, and but eleven years with such great success year after year in Nippo, and you know, really, I, you know, I don't, I don't really want to talk too much about what, why, and what happened. You know, we don't really know the inner no, workings. Obviously, all we could say is we got to celebrate Doug Johnson's tenure here in the SJHL. He made the league better. The league is a better place because of him, and his Nippowin teams were great over those years. So. You know, kudos to you, Doug. I think the amount he did for the Nipawin Hawks is yeah. is gonna enormous, I- insurmountable, almost. Uh, the the longevity, the success, the turnaround, the building, the culture, all of it. Um, you know, it it has his fingerprints all over mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and obviously his style of play fit the the cage up there in in the Centennial Arena and Nippo and super well. And again, first year that I was in the league, seventeen eighteen. What a great team that was. Went on to win it all uh, against the Estevan Bruins. Uh, with uh, you know Mercyhurst commit uh, McDon- McDougal up there and uh, and you know such so many great players through Nipawin over the years. So again, uh, kudos to you, Doug. I'm gonna put uh, a little bit of thought into this. Had nothing to do with performance. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I could be as blunt as possible, I think the type of players that are around the league now, compared to 11 and a half years ago, um, are different, right? And I think mm-hmm. the style of coaching, you know, is adapting towards that. Doug Johnson's very old school, and where if he wants another job, uh, he's the front runner on a lot of lists because of what he's capable of coaching. His style of play, he's incredibly hard to win against. Uh, I think that I don't want to call the players soft, but he's an old school coach, and I don't think there's as many players that respond to tough love as one, as they once used to. Yeah, I mean, I, there's two sides, right? So there's the one where the, the the hockey conservative maybe says, you know, kids are kids are softer, don't respond to the old school coaching the same way. The other side of the coin is that guys and everybody has to say, everybody has, to, every coach has to look in the mirror and say, you know, I I just or die. Well, like, sh- well that's sure. the bottom line. And again, I don't don't know the inner workings of that of that Nippowin room. Again, we we've seen it. We've been just talking about it. He's had so much success up there in Nippowin. But maybe maybe he was like, I believe in the way that I go about things. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, again, kudos for him going down the way that, or not going down. He didn't die. He got fired. <laughs> uh, he'll move on. He'll find another job, as, he, as I yeah. agree with you, if he, wants, if he wants to stay in the game, which I'm sure he does. But, um, you know, it, 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 it is what it is, and adapt or die. Could have the Hawks at least maybe, I mean, mm. like, was this the right time? Right, it's uh, it's a couple weeks before Christmas. Not that yeah. I mean, not that that's a huge impact, but still, right? Mm-hmm. Like, could could have they not waited until after the 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 break of the SJHL when all the players go home, make their decision then, and then coming back in the second half of the season, make their call? It was it was it was it the wrong timing for this? I don't I don't know, but your opinion? Yeah, it, who knows? I mean, I think 
I think the expectations of the Nipawin community, the Nipawin Board of Governors, are extremely high. And you talk about it not being performance. I don't think based. it was performance at all. I don't think I, it was performance. I, at all. I completely I so. disagree with okay. you. I, don't think it was. I think the last couple of years, even the the last year that we had a playoffs, nineteen twenty, the Nipawin Hawks went into the, the playoffs eighth. Again, the Nipawin community. If you're not on top, if you're not battling for the league title uh, in the standings, then it's not good enough in Nippon. That's just the bottom line. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if they haven't been there the last couple of years, you know, is that the Doug's fault? Probably it's, you know, the coaches get too much blame and too much credit. Always. Sure. I always say that. And it's definitely, this is more on the Nippon players 100% than on Doug. But, not 100%, but like getting close to it. Sure. It's more on the players of Nipawin. They got to look inside themselves from this and respond the right way. That's all there is to it. And that's sometimes what a change can do. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see what they what they do. But again, kudos to Doug Johnson for yep. his tenure. Everything he did for the Nipawin Hawks, 11 and a half years. Like I said, three SJHL Coach of the Year awards, one championship. Yep. Uh, it's a tough resume to beat in the SJHL. It's one of the top ones <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and just a style of hockey that, especially in the cage, just smothering, and they never gave up goals. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, the Nip, the Nippon Hawks w- went through the the first game, the last game, obviously with Doug Johnson, head coach, a three two overtime defeat to the Larange Ice Wolves. I believe we have Gavin Maddie's goal from yeah. this game, uh, and then they went into Larange and they lost again with Tad Cozen. Now the interim assistant coach moves up to head, and it was a five one defeat at the hands of the Ice Wolves as well. So uh, again, it, it's too soon to tell what. Tad Cozen can do and his impact on the team, but we will definitely keep an eye on it as we move forward into you know your other CAA road reports weekly on SJ at noon here as we as we keep tabs on the Nippon Hawks and and new coach Tad Tad Cozen. Yeah, the Hawks are now tenth in the league. You know, so tight from you know six to six to to, to eleven. It's like it's just it's just crazy. So you know, a good run from from the Nippon Hawks and you know they're right back in it. Um, and, you know, kind of same for LaRange, right? The team that they're facing, um, you know, a couple big wins for them. Uh, you know, they lost in Churchbridge in the neutral site game to Melville, and it looked like the roof was caving in on the LaRange Ice the Wolves, too. The home of the coach. The home of the coach, the right. The home of the coach. It's the, r- the rink was named, is named <laughs> Kaminsky Arena, That's and right, Kevin yeah. Kaminsky is the coach, and the, and the Ice Wolves got pumped there. But that all being said, again, there's lots of talent on this LaRange team, right? And Gavin Maddy, what a year, already. 18 goals. Yeah, he's, he's firing. Three over the weekend, and he reminds me a ton. I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, Jake Goodjensen. Oh, yeah. Remember yeah, him? Yeah. Great defensive centerman, first takes care of his own end, wins bigs faceoffs, and he's got 18 goals. So, you know, he's done everything and everything and more that Laurent could have hoped for. This you week. mentioned the standings, and just a quick yeah. look before we move on to another team. Notre Dame is in sixth with mm-hmm. 29 points, yeah. Melville is in 11th. With 23 points. There's Crazy. six points separating six teams. You got Yorkton and LaRange both at 27. You got Kindersley and Nippowin at 25 and Melville at 23. So, yeah. I mean, we all know there's three kind of segments to the SJHL season. Before the Christmas break, after the Christmas break, and the push to the playoffs. Mm. We are going to see an intense battle for those three final spots. It's not like the final spot. It's 6-7-8. Right yeah. now there's a little separation between Melford at 5 and Notre Dame at 6. But 6-7-8 is a battle. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, Notre Dame and Melfort, and we're going to talk about them a bit more, but they've also been so inconsistent lately. Sure. You know, so that really opens the door yeah. as well. So, again, Nippowin, LaRange fans, 
don't give up hope no. out there. Uh, lots, lots and lots of time. To but go. all the fans across the SH, this is what you love to see. Like this race is materializing. We just passed the halfway point for a few teams now as game 29 hit. Uh, yeah. A couple teams are below that mark, but still with this is, mm. th- this is exactly what you want to see. This consistency yeah. and this parody throughout oh, well. seven places. The parody is suffocating. And we saw like the <laughs> battle for North Stars. We talked about it last week, seven game win streak, right? Yeah. To go into Weyburn, who's the 12th team in the league right now, and lose. So the parity in this league is unlike any other Junior A league in Canada. Believe me, mm. I've done some research, some looking. There is no league in Canada that is, has the parity of ours. Not even close. It's a war every night. This is your CA Road Report as we recap last, or this past weekend, I should say. Uh, we're going to have a great show, though, as Nick Nielsen, the play-by-play voice of the Kindersley Clippers, joins us after this segment. And then afterwards, we're going to be throwing up your half-year awards, as we mentioned. A lot of the teams are now past the halfway point of the SJHL season. Mm-hmm. So we're going to put up some polls throughout the episode here. Your MVP, your forward, your defenseman, your goalie, your rookie, your coach. Uh, Please vote on who you think. If you think it's not one of our four, then comment on, mm-hmm. on who you think we forgot. I mean, you can't include everyone for sure, and, and it's going to be fun. So, yeah. so join the polls and, mm-hmm. and watch along, grab a coffee, and, and we'll, we'll throw out your picks as well as we get to that segment at about 11.35. Yeah, and Maddie Barrett, Barrett, the broadcaster of the Melford Mustangs, has written in, can he make a vote in for MVP being Rory and Nugsy? Oh, yeah, you can. So I love, no, no, we're, we're I already, love the tire pump in there, man. We're already on the poll. We're Do you think we there. would forget about ourselves? Absolutely not. Come on. We're, we've got way too big <laughs> egos. And then Kendall Lee Frisky, way to go stars. So I guess a Battleford's uh, fan. Yeah, and a uh, big fan of the way that they're playing. Too, thank, so. thank you for listening. Yep. Uh, another big news, Zach McIntyre gets traded to his hometown team, yep. the Yorkton Terriers, for Enrique Fontes, a third rounder, a fifth rounder, and future considerations. A nice haul getting back to the Melville Millionaires. Uh, and nice to see Zach in his final year going to his hometown team. I'm sure him and his family are really happy mm-hmm. that he's going to get to put on, well, the jersey sitting behind you. Yeah, and, you know, talked to Matt Hare a little bit about this, and he said, yeah, we gave up a lot, and I think I think there was a pick that went back to uh, uh, that went back to Melville, I think. Or Two to, picks. To Yorkton, pardon oh, me. Oh, to Yorkton, part of part of that, gotcha. Yeah. Um, but anyways, that's beside the point. Obviously, McIntyre, Yorkton minor hockey all the way through and wanted to be a Yorkton Terrier, I think, growing up a little bit. And, you know, so this is great. And the first thing Matt Hare said from a hockey standpoint is, and, you know, what of the Yorkton Terriers do? They keep the puck out, but they struggle to score goals, right? They have 72 McIntyre goals. McIntyre knows how to put the puck in the net. Yes. He's got a shot. He doesn't. He loves the dirty areas. He loves to stick his big grinning face into yeah. any sort of blue paint. He'll find it. He'll always, smiling. He'll always, always smiling. Always smiling on and off the ice. Uh, he's a good time anywhere he goes, and uh, so he, he's going to be great, great for that Yorkton locker. Agree or disagree? The Yorkton Terriers are the most underrated team in the SJHL right now. I, I, I think. Ask me next weekend because it changes every week. I don't. Right? Th- I think. I think they are being overlooked. Yeah. I think they could beat any team, and in the playoffs. I mean, you don't want to play an Estevan, a Flintflon, a Humboldt, right? Any of that. Yeah. Yorkton is the. T- I don't think any team wants to face Yorkton. Kale DePape and Net has been uh, a dynamo in his rookie yeah. season. Uh, he might be a rookie of the year candidate, if not the front runner. If it wasn't for the likes of McGrath, Anderson, there's a lot of rookies this year. But mm-hmm. don't forget about DePape. We'll talk about that coming up later in the show. They win six two over the Melfort Mustangs on Friday. Five different goal scores. DePape stops thirty four of thirty six, and then on Saturday. 
I said on the bus, of course, I work for the Broncos to head coach Scott Barney. I said, I bet you Yorkton beats Estevan tonight. And I look in the second period, 3-1 Yorkton. Yeah. And then there's the Bruins. You take uh, a minute off, and they are on you. They score three straight goals uh, in the first six minutes of the third period and win 4-3. So Yorkton coughed up one. Yeah. But, I mean, that's just the Bruins for you. And uh, the Terriers 1-1 one one on the week. And I don't, I don't think anyone wants to face the Yorkton right now. No, yeah, and you know Estevan's won you know six or seven every show we've we've had so far this year. We and for good reason, like Estevan deserves lots of coverage. Yeah, absolutely. The Yorkton Terriers, the one area that the Yorkton Terriers have been really, really brutal this year, and I don't. I'm just going to call a spade a spade. Their power play oh, it's has terrible. been it's ter- horrendous. It's terrible. Horrendous. <laughs> it's terrible. So they get Keyshawn Gervais back. <laughs> they get Logan Sisa from the AJ. He's been really good. You know, Tyson Jansen's a, a monster back there. Jasper's been and putting McIntyre in numbers. Will be on it too. McIntyre's going to add. They scored three power play goals against uh, against yeah, Melfort, uh, Rory, in Melfort. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about Trevor Blevins, Melfort Mustangs team, penalty kill like a bunch of machines, you know, protect the net like a bunch of machines, and three power play goals for the Arctic Terriers, you know, and a big win in Melfort. So... Good news. The, the future is bright right now. In York, we in we got a couple sure. clips as we wrap up the York Terriers next event. Bruins. Tanner Sklarook yep. scored a goal. Sklarook. Uh, Sklarook. Sklarook is, is on, on fire. fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a fun name to say. Karaoke I do, I do time like here on the SJ News. You want to, here's the Tanner Sklarook goal. They can get a lot of offense from their defensemen. They're going to need to because they are one of the lowest scoring teams in the league, yeah. but they also are one of the teams that l- allow the least amount of goals. Yeah. So if they find offense, watch out for Yorkton. And then we have Michael Sartor, a uh, goal from the Estevan Bruins in that comeback effort mm. for Estevan as well. We'll toss that up. But the Bruins keep rolling. Yorkton's underrated, I think. 14 goals in their last four games, and that includes a win where no one scored. A one nothing shootout right. win. So really 14 right. goals in the last three games, if you take that one out. Yeah. If the offense starts to click, I, I think you got to watch out for the Yorkton Terriers, man. Yeah, well, we, we kind of joked. I mean, that's the way that the, the Yorkton Terriers are comfortable winning is yeah. one nothing in a, <laughs> in a, in shootout. a shootout. <laughs> uh, the, ga- the day after, they won 6-2 against the Raj. <laughs> that's old history for this show. But, you know, again, a couple more goals coming in. And obviously, when Keyshawn Gervais is healthy for Yorkton, it's a huge, huge difference. And Matt Hare keeps adding. He added Greg Nelson from White Court in the AJHL, too. And... You know, as long as they're healthy and they add McIntyre, there, there are some pieces coming into Yorkton that people have overlooked. Let's roll it right into Melford because they did yeah. lose to the Yorkton Terriers 6-2 on Friday, but then they bounced back and they picked up a win on Saturday. It was five straight losses for the Melford Mustangs after acquiring Mark Snarr and uh, Nolan Dolan, part of those packages. They did bounce back. They did pick up a victory over the Melville Millionaires on Saturday. Uh, we got a clip of Seth McCullough's goal, I do believe, from that game. Mm-hmm. So they're going to try to try to try to turn that around. But uh, it's another loss, though, as Snar, the former captain of the Clippers, with a, a bit of an injury now, is a, a wrist injury, I believe. Yeah, he didn't play last couple for Malfort. And Matty Barrett pointing out 287 teddy bears tossed oh, in awesome. Malfort on well, Friday. Well, way to Love go, Malfort. Teddy bear yeah. toss there. Uh, yeah, I think for the Melford Mustangs, they really miss Joel Favreau. And, you know, yeah. we've talked about, uh, you know, Austin Elliott for Notre Dame. Uh, we've talked about now James Venn here for, for Malfort, these young goalies and... You know, you give Kale DePape a ton of credit as a result, you know, on the flip side. These young goalies, you know, lots of talent. You know, can they play talent-wise in this league? Absolutely, James Venn can play in this league. No oh, yeah. question about oh, it. For sure. Austin Elliott can play in this league. No question about it. But the grind, the battle, night after night after night. And James Venn has played eight games in a row yeah. for the Melford Mustangs. They need Joel Favreau. Uh, you know, in a big way as it's back an, as It's possible. another injury as well. It's another injury, yeah. yeah. They got Uchitwa back, which is big for them on the blue line. 
but I believe if there's a coach in this league, there's a bunch of them. There's great coaching in this league. One of the coaches I really believe in this league is Trevor Blevins, and his teams are always better in the second half of seasons every year I've been here. So, you know, they'll figure it out. They had their five-game losing streak snapped in a revenge game against Melville. You and I called the, the Sastel game of the month. Melville, Melville and Melford and Melville beat them. So a little bit of a revenge game there. So good for Melford. Don't worry, Melford fans. You got a lot of weapons. You'll be fine. Well, five losses in a row, you could worry a bit. They'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> the Melville Millionaires were worrying <clears throat> yeah. earlier in the season. But how about the run they're going on? Nine yeah. points out of a possible 12 in their last six games. They've been on a roll. They won on Friday. They lost on Saturday, defeating Weyburn 4-3. to Zach Kane has 12 points in his last nine games, and Noah Willis has 11 points mm. in his last seven games, including five straight multi-point games. Yeah. Uh, that was finally snapped on Saturday when, when uh, they lost to the Melford Mustangs. But those two are now the linchpins of the offense. Jared Thompson has locked down the goaltending role. And Melville, again... Watch out because, uh, as we mentioned, they're they're in eleventh place, but they're only I think two or f- three points out of the playoff spot, mm-hmm. and only six points behind sixth place in the SJHL, the ha- halfway of the league. Yeah, we got a cold rock goal, I believe, mm-hmm. for, from uh, Melville. But you know, the thing is, Melville's also lost Nicolas Samson to an injury, right? One. That was a big, a big one. one. They played that Samson Kane and Wilson lost them when they beat Notre Dame. They've been playing though bought in team first hockey you know you take out McIntyre from that lineup you take out Samson from that lineup um, you Porterfield know, Dan, Bohan Porterfield also. Bohan you know the new guy they brought in from Whitecourt Den Hartog Brecken Den Hartog he got hurt uh, pretty quickly as well and so you know it's a thing where they're they're a little getting a little bit thinner and we'll see if they can keep this up the Melville it's Millionaires. all about pace right now if they yeah. can keep within striking yeah. distance you talk about after the uh, the holiday break when things ramp up a bit. If yeah. they're within five points, I mean, they're right there. But systematically, they keep everything to the outside so well. They gunk it up in the middle, and Jared Thompson and that has been enormous. There is a yeah. lot of doubters about the Regina native. You know, there was. Let's be honest, but he's done a great job. He, you know, rebound control has been excellent, and the Melville Millionaires will keep you to the outside and don't give you too many second scoring chances and. Uh, you know, they're listening to Mike Rooney. So, uh, hey, that's that's all you can ask for. And the last thing I'll say, Rory, Noah Wills is magic. You can say that Noah Wills, Wills is so good. And Noah so Wills good. has been one of the best players in the SJHL yeah. in the, the last, you know, half dozen, ten games maybe. He's been one of the best. He's oh, been for outstanding. Sure. Yeah. yeah, top three, so, hands down. Yeah. And uh, graduated grade 11 with a 98% cool. average. So, I mean, like, it's D1s, not it's on. I, it's knock on, on that door, yeah. D1s. Yeah, Noah Seriously. Wills is right there. Yeah. Um, uh, you want to talk a little bit about Weyburn. Of course, they did lose to the Melville Millionaires, but a nice acquisition in Troy Hamilton. Yeah. We have a goal clip of yeah. Troy. Scored two goals. Is that his first game with the Weyburn Red Wings? Uh, I think it was his second. Second game, yeah. but two goals in for Troy Hamilton in that one mm-hmm. and former rest of Van Bruins. A nice little acquisition for yeah. the Weyburn Red Wings. I don't know you were allowed to play for both. I'm just kidding. Uh, you can play for both teams. Sombrowski, obviously, on Weyburn. Uh, you got the Hamilton uh, on goal Weyburn. there? Weyburn Hamilton? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Troy Hamilton could always shoot the puck. That's Nobody ever... We'll question whether he can shoot a puck, and uh, we'll see it on the goal here in a second. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the thing about the Weyburn Red Wings is they got to find a way to stay healthy. I mean, I think the lineups have been different every single night just because of a guy getting hurt or a guy getting suspended. There you see the the torpedo from uh, from Troy, but uh, you know the, they can't stay healthy in in any part of their lineup right now, and I think that's sort of the number one issue for Cody Mapes. Let's roll into the one uh, series that was back to back. It was Humboldt and Flinflon, and it was actually. Four straight games for the Bombers against the Broncos. Mm-hmm. And then Humboldt had four to five. They had a, they had a one sandwich in between with the Kindersley Clippers. But to anyone's surprise that they, they split the games two and two? 
I don't no, think so. No, no, I don't think so. And the the storyline, you know, talking to both coaches a little bit before this series, um, the bigger story, the biggest storyline for them in some ways was who was out of the lineup. You yeah, know, there were a lot of a lot of injuries. No Connor Casperi, no Red Gibson, no Stromi, no Logan Kirky for Humboldt, and even bigger maybe for Flynn No Jaden Mercier, no Colvardi, no Mason Caspic, you know, no Fry. So there's just a huge list of injured guys on these two teams. Yeah, but uh, you, you were there, obviously. You watched them. Uh, it was fun hockey. It was great. It was, it was exactly what you expect a four game and eight day set to do, yeah. which is create a playoff like atmosphere, yeah. and it did. Vardy played the first two games. Casperi uh, got a stick up in the mm. in the face area of Colvardi. He got suspended five games for that, which also injured Cole Vardy. Landon Stromi had a hit where he got suspended two mm-hmm. games. So he came back in the last game against um, against Flin Flon on Saturday there in uh, the Whitney Forum. Logan Kirky, uh, unfortunately for the Broncos, as far as I know, it's it's personal reasons, and he's just gone home for a bit. So we wish him all the best, of course. It's uh, you know about the player first and foremost. It's a big loss for the Broncos. And then uh, Jaden Mercy, again, another injury. He didn't play all the four, and mm-hmm. he is an impact piece for the Flin Flon Bombers. Yeah. We we got a couple goals from this one, though. We got McGrath in the win for the Humboldt Broncos, and then we got Vockler in the win for the Flin Flon Bombers, both this past weekend. We'll uh, fire those up for you. As you see, this is Connor McGrath's goal for the Humboldt Broncos, but it was a bit of a script flipped again, the same way as the Broncos played the Estevan Bruins. In the first two periods of game number one this weekend, which would have been game number three, Humboldt held the Flin Flon Bombers to just 16 shots on net throughout two periods which is incredibly hard to do because the Flint Flon Bombers averaged 38.9 shots on goal per game. It's first in the league. So they shut them down in the first two periods. It ended up kind of ramping back up in the third, going back and forth, ended up in a shootout Mm -hmm. win for the Broncos. But in the first period of the game on Saturday, game number four of the series, Flint Flon outshot Humboldt 21-5 to and completely imposed their will. It was 3-0 after the first, 4-0 early in the second, and it's just too big of a hole to climb against the Flint Flon Bombers. Yeah, the the Flint Flon decor moves the puck better than any defense core in the league. Mm-hmm. I would I would stand like comfortably and say that the Flin Flon decor moves the puck better than anybody. So they you know they they'll get past your press if you're high and aggressive. They move it past you quick. And you know we saw that in the game on Saturday and then you know the other end they're putting pucks in it was four nothing, you know, by the second period. Yeah. Jacob Rockler is one of the hottest players in the league. He's got a nine game point streak nine. as a young yeah, kid. Crazy. No. So he's you know he's obviously flying, goes on a little bit under the radar up and up there in Did Flint we throw Flan, the Vockler goal up there? Got the Vockler goal up there. I think we played it. Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll throw it up one we'll more time. Not, up, nine game uh, point streak deserves yeah. a second run. So, so many, and you talk about decors that move the puck super well. How rarely does the Humboldt Broncos D turn the puck over like that? Pretty much never. But yeah. it, it, they're humans. They're, they're teenagers. They, they make mistakes sometimes. So there you go. Yeah, it was a line change by the uh, by Flynn Flynn. Noah Barlogi tried to catch him on that uh, from behind the net and threw it out, but fanned on it. Mm. And ended up just rolling right into the slot to Vockler, who yeah, made no mistake. They're humans. They're humans. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Uh, shout out to William Dyke as well. Uh, the yeah, goaltender right. on Friday picked up his first career. SJHL win for the Broncos. Yeah, one of 600 former Black Falls players around uh, Canada <laughs> right now. <laughs> Wink. Uh, and the final one, of course, before we take a break and welcome in uh, Nick Nielsen of the Kindersley Clippers. Notre Dame bounces back after a defeat, beats the Battle for its North Stars. We got Kevin Anderson's goal from that mm-hmm. one. Uh, but they lose to the Kindersley Clippers. That yeah. was the Clippers' lone game as well as they win 3-1. to one. Mm-hmm. Riley Oslin, you said, was great in that game. Uh, but Clippers still pick up the win. And then... Again, North, uh, Notre Dame and Battleford. What a, what a series. It, it has been tight and hard-fought oh. 
tough to find goals, tough to win, and, and those two are, are back and forth again. Yeah, I, I was joking with uh, Braden Clamasco, the Battleford's coach, that if Notre Dame plays Battleford's in the playoffs, I'm going to need to up seven. my, I'm gonna need to up my <laughs> heart meds. Here's a nice little, so a nice little play off the faceoff and Cam Anderson with the snipe. And Riley Osland, 75 shots over the two games on the weekend. Kindersley allowed four goals on 75 shots. Yeah. A 947 save percentage. Uh, Matt Pizzanti stole it. Like, I'll be honest, Kindersley fans, he stole it. In the first game there, and there was a nice save by Osland. Well, here's um, here's uh, that was a save yeah. by Osland. I Osland, think we also then, have, don't we have Ola yeah. Bifo setting up Andrew Blocker we for do. his first goal as a Kindersley Clipper in that game? Yeah, we got to so give Kindersley great, a little great show, save no? by Osland there. I, yeah, if Nick and, Nielsen wasn't enough. Yeah, Nick <laughs> and you know the Clippers came out really well in the first period uh, of this game as well. You know, but the Notre Dame decor occasionally looks super young, and there's a situation where they look super young. But nice play here by Oba Bifo. Just some patience. Dude, I love I love Oba Bifo. Yeah. He's fun to Guy's watch. Guy's a dynamo. He protects the puck. Like, he's 5'8", maybe, but he protects the puck as well as anybody in the league, I think. And we were talking about the fastest oh. skater last week. Yeah, he's he's, he's in the running. He can fly. He's yeah. in the running. For sure. And, you know, obviously, you know, we saw Notre Dame and Battlefords. You know, we have Steve Kesslering. For Battlefords, he's one of them, and Kev Anderson, obviously, for Notre Dame. So. Yeah, and uh, th- toss in uh, the underrated 0-1 20-year-old Gabriel Shipper oh. of the Flint Flint Bombers. Yeah, he's a, he looks the like, one, two, three strides like a is video as quick, game it's as, quick as any. Sure. Yeah, yeah. He's quick, <laughs> he yeah. is a fly out there. He's from California, too. Yeah. yeah, interestingly enough. So. Yeah. Anyways, that's your CAA Road Report, and we'll take a break. Nukes, you anything else to add? Love hockey, guys. Okay, that was great. <laughs> great, great input to wrap up the segment, Nukes. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, welcome in Nick Nielsen next at the Kindersley Clippers here on SJ at noon. Welcome back to SJ at noon, Rory McGoran, along with Nugsy, and very happy to welcome in one of the broadcasters around the league. Always nice to get an insight behind the mic and now part of the Kindersley Clippers, Nick Nielsen. Nick, thanks for joining us. How's it going? Thanks for having me. I'm uh, having a great one here. It's cold as all heck here in Kindersley, but uh, yep. you know what? We're doing well, so can't complain too much. So uh, for people that don't know, you were once the Weyburn Red Wings broadcaster. And uh, mm-hmm. relocated, of course, closer to home. Now part of the Kindersley Clippers organization. How has it been going with the uh, first year with the Clippers, who are in that race, which me and Nuti talked about last segment? It is tight from six to eleven. Uh, and anyone's guess at the when we kind of ramp up after the Christmas break with that playoff race. But how's it been going with the Clippers? Uh, well, on a, like, on a personal level, I guess with it, it's feeling real good being a part of the community with the team. Cause that was part of the struggles when I was in Weyburn was traveling to and from Estevan and that with the Red Wings. And of course, you know, that highway 39 rivalry is always so oh, yeah. nasty around the SJA too, but uh, no, it's been good being a part of the community here with the Clippers and getting to be involved with things like parents night and stuff like that. Things I didn't really get a chance to do before. I like the atmosphere around the Clippers and you know what, they're starting to build a pretty good core. I think that, uh, with a lot of young guys that could be pretty exciting to watch for the next couple of years too. Yeah, Nick, again, thank you uh, for doing this. We'll get right into it. Get into the re- the weeds here. The big news not too long ago, you guys traded away, the Kindersley Clippers traded away, the captain leader, Mark Snar, one of the few 2001 birth years on this Kindersley team to Melfort. What has the response around the room and around the organization been like to losing uh, the captain, even though you guys got a couple pieces back from Melfort. 
Yeah, two straight years I've seen the captain of the team I'm calling hockey for get traded away. But uh, <laughs> Snar goes to Melfort, and I, the, the, around the room, it seems like it's pretty well received because there's been lots of trades for the Clippers as of late. And I got to talk with guys a little bit uh, on the weekend, and they're saying that, you know, everybody they've added into the dressing room has been really good when it comes to, you know, fitting in with the group that they have and things like that. Um, Obviously, they got a little bit younger with the trades that they made with Mark Snar and, of course, Jack Michael being gone now as well. You know, it's it's headlines when you trade a, two two letters on sweaters away in the same day. And it, it's it's definitely a little bit different. I haven't really we haven't really played much in between then and now to really evaluate whether or not the product has gotten better on the ice. Josh Morton got hurt in that first game. Uh, against the Notre Dame Hounds, and we've only played three games. I mean, we had a crazy busy schedule to start off the season, and now we're just kind of sitting and waiting to see what we've got here. And, well, maybe the honest product has gotten a little bit better. I mean, Snar is doing well with Melford. He's already got racked up a few assists before he got a bit of a wrist injury. And uh, the guys that we brought in, Braden Cook, uh, looks fantastic. And uh, Carson Blanchett, my brother's actually played hockey with his dad growing up, so kind of looking forward to seeing what he can do on the ice when uh, he gets a chance to play with the Clippers probably next year. You can tell that you're interviewing a radio guy with the, with the <laughs> setup of, of yeah. the since there. It, it definitely helps out. The audio quality is on par. Uh, that's right. <laughs> did, did you get any insight from head coach Ken Plaquin on just sort of the identity of these trades? Was it a matter of getting younger? Because obviously you, you, got one, you, got, you got one year younger with the Michael from Morton trade. A lot went into it, actually acquiring Josh Morton. And then the captain goes out, you acquire Andrew Blocker. So it, 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 looking at it from the outside, it seemed you know uncertain about what the concept of all these trades were about. Um, Kindersley obviously picked up a win, I believe in their last game, but, uh, just did you, did you ask Ken about, about what kind of the thought process was about all these trades in a matter of like two days? Getting, getting younger was definitely a part of it. Uh, and that not, not the main focus of it. It was kind of the secondary thing of we're going to, there's a couple of guys we want to add into the lineup and change things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the main thing that was the team wanted to add some grit and uh, add some competes and add some guys who aren't afraid to throw a shoulder around every once in a while here. You look at the guys we brought in, Josh Morton comes in, Andrew Blocker yeah. comes in, uh, Braden Cook, who maybe not the biggest guy out there, but in the three games I've seen him play so far, he's been involved in the physical play as well quite a bit. Uh, Nathan DeGraves, we add out of the null here in our last game as well. He plays with a bit of a physical edge to his game as well. He's going to be another younger guy who's going to be coming into the lineup and playing pretty well for this team as well. So they've made some moves in the last little bit like uh, that definitely make them younger. But I think the overarching theme with the four guys who are now in the lineup is that they're going to hit a little bit more and they're going to add a little bit more toughness towards a team that's already got quite a bit of speed. And I don't think they're lacking on that speed anymore, but they've added some grit to it too. I think these are things that you need in the Agris division as well. Um, unarguably the most competitive division in the SJHL right now. I would say 100% it is. And that you look at the teams who are playing there right now. Obviously, like Humboldt, one of the top two teams in the league, it's kind of back and forth between them and Estevan. Battleford's in that top five shot all season long and arguably the third right now. Notre Dame and Kindersley, both teams that are probably underperforming for what they've got and could be even a little bit higher too. 
So, you know, this division is absolutely nasty. And the rivalry nights, when you see those teams play each other, there's a big physical edge to it that isn't there most other games, at least from what I've seen in Kindersley. Yeah, I mean, uh, you talk about those last three games. Well, two of them are against Notre Dame, so obviously we've got a chance to see each other's mm-hmm. teams that we call a lot uh, a, a little bit lately. And, uh, you know, one of the big stories, the last two games really, because even though Brett Sweet started the game and Wilcox, he came, Matt Pazenti came in in relief, and you talk about being a young team, you know, the one guy that I guess that's still the ever-present veteran 20-year-old is Matt Pazenti, who's just really found it, I guess, been spectacular the last little bit. And, uh, you know, there were some arguments maybe that he stole the game against Notre Dame and Kindersley a couple nights ago. I guess there's many arguments to be made about that game, but uh, what's your perspective on Matt Pazenti's year so far too in that? Well, he absolutely stole a goal from Austin Vandenhoevel in that last game on a wraparound attempt diving across the stick, which was incredible. Um, Pacenti has been lights out this year. Uh, I actually talked with uh, Brett Sweet, our backup goaltender. I talked with his father uh, during parents weekend, and he said he's happy to have a guy like Matt Pacenti in front of him this year. So he has somebody that he can learn from and who's been here in this place and a really good, strong goaltender who can play a lot of minutes and show Sweet the ropes. And that's really been the case here. I mean, even on nights where the Clippers forwards and defensive group are not really playing their best, if they're not putting their best uh, foot forward, Matt Pacenti has not taken a night off all season long. Whenever he's in between the pipes, you know you're getting 100% from the kid. And he makes just incredible save after incredible save. I think, and and this might be the homer bias in me a little bit, because I know a lot of Clippers fans around here are saying it, but I think Matt Pacenti, if uh, the Clippers can have a little bit better of a season to support his numbers a little bit more, has a legitimate shot at being goaltender of the year in the SJHL with the way he's played. Numbers-wise, he might not get there, but with the way he's played and some of the incredible saves that he's making, he deserves to be in the conversation. Are you are you on air right now? We know you're in the studio. Did you put up? But you put on like "Stairway to Heaven" or "November Rain," the old eight and a half minute songs to get through this interview, or what? Ah, uh, you know, there's a little thing <laughs> called voice tracking in the business that we pretend oh, so you're in. doesn't exist. Okay. But you know. Yeah, you tracked a couple. Well, we appreciate that. One of the players I wanted to jump out on, and he's the one that jumped off the paper for me when the first couple times the Broncos played the Clippers, is Charles Obabifo. Coming out of Calgary, I believe it is, and seems like he just is acclimated to this game very quickly. And his style of play is perfect for this game. He's fast. He's physical. He has great skill as well. Uh, I expect great things in the future for him, but what have you seen from him on and off the ice? Because he's one that I don't think gets enough respect in this game so far. He is probably my favorite player on the Clippers to watch. It's either him or Logan Linklater, and I'm glad I get to watch both them both for yeah. another year to move forward. But uh, Charles Obobifo has been awesome, especially at the start of the season. He came out like a cannon shot. Um, right away in during our uh, camp, he was a guy who we weren't sure if he was going to make the team. Um, you look at where he came from. He had never really played tr- much for AAA hockey. Mm-hmm. He came in as a 19-year-old, no junior experience, stuff like that. So, you know, it's a tough year for a guy like that where 19 years old, okay, well, you only got one year left. How much more are you going to develop? But, man, has he showed some great speed, some great hands. Uh, he is the most dangerous guy around the blue line or the offensive zone blue line. If he can steal a puck from your defense, he's gone. Oh, he's gone. And, yeah. oh, every time. 
and he's had a little bit of a slower November. He had a bit of an ankle injury after a hit that saw him go into an open door and it hit his ankle and he was out for a little bit. He's had a little bit of trouble finding that confidence back, but even in that last game against Notre Dame, he set up Andrew Blocker for his first goal as a clipper. And you can start to see that he's starting to find that confidence back again. And when Charles gets to his full confidence, he is going to be a fantastic guy to watch again. Yeah. yeah. He's been great last as a one. There you go. Last one from me, Nick. And thank you, and thank you uh, very much for your time as you're uh, trying to get some work done there. Uh, you guys get a brand new coach, I guess, to start this year, Ken Plaquin. Well, he was, he, he was supposed to start last year, but it's his first go through this season, really, as, as a junior A coach. I guess, how, how do you feel like, you know, from your perspective, he's been able to, to get this team going in the right direction? Well, he's absolutely got the respect of the guys in the room, and that's never a question whatsoever. Um, you know, he, he's not the big, boisterous guy out there. He's a little bit more quiet and reserved, but he, it, it's a quiet respect that the guys hold for him. Um, he's been patient with guys and has been working with guys to try and find that uh, spark that's going to get them moving forward. And I think he's built a pretty solid team with what he had and now he's made some trades and is trying to build it that it's going to be competitive through the rest of this year and maybe even towards next year as well you know the Clippers are a little bit underperforming from what Ken would like to see them at at the end of the season here he would like to see the record a lot better than where we're at and I think that it, this combination of his patience that he has with players to you know get them to really put out their best effort is going to be a big big factor for him that and just some of the smart coaching decisions that he makes. You know, he's he's smart about who he puts out on the ice and when, and he's smart about uh, face-off matchups and stuff like that. You'll notice that he'll direct guys from left wing to t take a draw that might favor their hand a little bit better than their centerman, and just little details like that. And he seems to, he's always reading. Every time I go on the bus, he's always got uh, different coaching strategy books that he's reading and stuff like that. So He's a very knowledgeable coach that I think is going to be good for the Clippers this season and moving into the future too. I got two more quick ones for you. Of course, the Kindersley Clippers have, I believe, four. Is it five? I think it's four Kindersley natives mm -hmm. on their team. The Hillbig brothers, of course, Logan Linklater and Jackson Jorgett. You can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and there is a fifth, but how nice is it to have those Kindersley boys on the team? And let's focus in on just two of them, the Hillbig brothers. What are their families feeding them? Yeah, they're huge. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd be surprised. You might be surprised to find out that they're both better baseball players than they are hockey players. Oh, really? They actually won a senior championship with the St uh, Stallions and Kindersley uh, earlier this season, this year. So they're uh, they're a good couple of guys. And that uh, both Tylen and Ethan Hillbig. And it's always special when you kind of see those brothers actually getting out there on the ice themselves. Yeah, there's always a bit of an extra pop, and especially with uh, Tylen Hillbig being kind of a front runner for this team so far this season. He has been a guy that uh, just seems to really get the crowd amped up. And then Ethan Hilbig, I mean, he's getting the crowd amped up in other ways too. He's had some really monstrous hits so far this season, uh, a couple of good tilts as well. And they, they, they I don't know what the water has uh, got here in Kindersley, but I'm um, hoping I can reap some of those benefits <laughs> sometime soon too. I, I know that Ethan Hilbig won your guys a uh, team sort of uh uh calcutta shootout type deal as well yes and the hands on that kid for a 6-3 what is he a 200 pound defenseman 
<laughs> to win that yeah. bands that he had in that uh, shootout we had in Rosetown was just unreal. I, I I did not expect him to be the guy who came away with it. Beating former uh, Melford Mustang and Kindersley Clipper Kyle Bosch, another guy who's a local here who's known for mm. his shooting ability, and Ethan Hilbig, uh, he beat him all the way in the, all the way to the final round. It was it was it was wild to watch. All right, quick, fast. We didn't prep you on this. We're going to talk about it next segment. We're doing our halfway of the year awards. Your opinion, MVP. MVP. Just give us a name. Don't, oh, don't yeah, do this. It's, it's rapid, it's rapid name, fire. Name, name, name. Estevan Bruins. All right, defenseman. Defenseman, uh, Kate Olson from the Humboldt Broncos. Goalie. Matt Pacenti. I'm putting it out there. I'm saying it. <laughs> and rookie. Rookie, uh, oh, that's a tough one. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a yeah, lot. Yeah, there's year. a oh, lot yeah. this year. Uh, geez, from another team is hard to think of. I'm just gonna go with the rookie for the Clippers right now. I know it's kind of the cop out answer, <laughs> but I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Cash Arnston just because he's had a really oh. really good November, and I want to give him some recognition too. All right, former first cop out answer. I know, that, I know. I'm that, gonna yeah, it's a little it's a little biased right <laughs> now, but <laughs> I, I, watch a different team that. once yeah. in a while, Nick. Watch a different team, man. That's why that's why we bring in the broadcast. Opinion on that one, I will admit that 100, percent but. Nick, th- thanks so much for joining us, man. No problem. I'm looking forward to hearing it from you in the group chat after this. Yeah, yeah you will. There was <laughs> Nick Nielsen, broadcaster of the Kindersley Clippers. And we'll be back and we'll talk about uh, our picks and your picks as well. So make sure you comment along with your MVP, your forward, your defenseman, your goalie, your rookie, anything you want to comment here on SJ at noon. We'll be right back. Welcome back to SJ at Noon. Roy McGoran, Noogsy with you. Big thanks to Nick Nielsen for joining us, the play-by-play voice of the Kindersley Clippers. And right before we get to your halfway of the year awards, of course, a uh, a business that you know much about there, Noogsy Mayfair. How's the little one doing? How's Abigail doing? Yeah, Abigail's great. And again, we, my wife and I went into Mayfair. They took care of us with the ultrasounds. You could see little hairs on Abigail's head, and she came out with hair. It's crazy. So I know, I know. I'm uh, obviously the wife, Jill, and the daughter, Mir. Miriam yeah. watches the show every week. She does not like when this happens, when I'm on camera. Yeah. She she gets mad at me. Yeah. Miriam yells I didn't at the do screen. anything to Miriam to Put cause Daddy that. Daddy back on the screen. <laughs> I love you guys. A, a big thanks to Mayfair, of course. As always, that's where you got the ultrasound. And uh, now it's time for your halfway of the year awards. Please comment along with who you think. We picked uh, our kind of front runners. A lot can change in the time being. But let's start it off with the MVP or MOP valuable, outstanding, however you want to put it. If it's valuable, though, there's two that are in my kind of uh, lead of the pack, I should say. And we're not being biased play-by-play broadcasters here. There is reasoning for this. But I have Kevin Anderson of the Notre Dame Hounds and Race Ramsey of the Humboldt Broncos. Yeah, I have uh, same. Kevin Anderson, Race Ramsey. Kev's been in on 45% of Notre Dame's goals. Doesn't make any sense. I think it's a little bit... I think there's also a little bit of disappointment maybe from... The, the support scoring there for Notre Dame, too, as a result of that. But Kev has been uh, outstanding. Dude, he's got 38 points, yeah. and Notre Dame has scored 84 goals. Yeah. You and, said and 45. There's a huge discrepancy yeah. between, like, 30% of the goals and 45. Yeah. That's a, nearly half of the production is coming from one player. Yeah, he plays big minutes, too. Big face-off ace. He's over 55% on the air on the dot. He's over 20 minutes a night as a forward. And he's still only a 2003 birth year. He's committed to uh, Princeton, obviously, but he's been awesome. It was funny. Last point about Kev, the Battleford's Notre Dame game. Marty uh, Martinson, the broadcaster for Battleford's, 
Uh, Kev had a face-off against uh, Holden Dole, who's an excellent young player for Battleford. He said, Dole versus the Vet Anderson. Yeah, he's and I laughed because they're both the same age. <laughs> he's a rookie as well. Yeah, he's a rookie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. A, a lot of people. And, I mean, again, Race Ramsey right there with him. Yep. 21 wins on the season already of the Broncos' first place 22 wins this year. So he leads the league in minutes. He leads the league in saves, in shots mm-hmm. faced, and in wins as well, of course. The next highest goaltender in wins has 14. So it is absolutely astronomical with how many wins he's picked up throughout the first half. Let's just go back what I want to kind of compare Race Ramsey's already uh, work amount that he's put with the Humboldt Broncos. Two years ago, 1920, Sean Parkinson with 25 with 20, oh, there's uh, Mark Rumsey. We'll talk about him coming up in a bit. Yeah. He's also in our poll. Yeah. If you want Ramsey to and Rumsey, uh, yeah. you can see how they're the similar names. There's, there's, there's Ray Ramsey. Ramsey. Yeah, yeah. Mark Rumsey as well is up there for MVP. Uh, I think there's a lot of other players on Estevan as well that are contributing. So most valuable to a team. Um, he, he's definitely up there. And then who was our fourth that we had? Kale DePape of the Yorkton Terriers was in our poll as well. Please vote who you think. Mm-hmm. But So in 1920, two years ago, last full season, Sean Parkinson and Keenan Rancier had... The league lead in wins, 25. Mm. Year before, Justin Close, 25. Year before, Evan Plotnick, 25. The highest in the last seven years was way back in 2013-14 with Kale Thompson of the Orkland Terriers. He had 31 wins. Race Ramsey, which I don't think he's going to be able to duplicate this in the second half of the season, is on pace for 41 wins. The Battlefords North Stars had 45 wins as a team in 2019-20, and that's when they ran away with the first place. They were 13 points above second place for the SJHL um, season title, I guess you should call it. But there you go. Uh, I, I don't understand. I don't think it's, it's again, duplica- duplicated in the second half based off of William Dyken comes in. He's probably going to play a little more games and maybe giving him a little more rest heading into the playoffs. But 21 wins in the first half of the season is outstanding. It's insane. Yeah, 375 more minutes than the second-place minutes yeah. guy in the league, too. Boston below us. All right, so, let's move on. Let's move, move on. on to forward of the week. And now you can throw up Mark Rumsey because I think he has both of our votes. He has a lot of other votes as we uh, look at the chat here and the and the poll online. Rumsey's doing it all. He's the SJHL leading scorer, and rightfully so. He's the forward mm-hmm. uh, in our pick for the half-year award. Yeah, he leads the league in points with 43 in 28 games, goals with 24 goals, power play goals with 11, game-winning goals with 6. Um, he's formed a great partnership with Olivier Pouliot, um, who also might be one of the fastest players in the league. Uh, he's on pace for 89 points, might be more than that. But, uh, yeah, I don't think Estevan could ask for more from Mark Ramsey. So are, you, are you, I think one of your bold predictions was that he has over 100 points this year. He's yeah. not on pace for that, though. No. Are you surprised that it's not more? Well, so the, I guess the, the thing that I would say about that is there's a lot of mouths to feed. There's a lot of talent on Estevan yes. they keep adding. So. You know, they don't need him to get over 100 points. Like sure. Yorkton needed Petruic, for example, a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. So maybe uh, like it grows aggressive. But again, 89 points pace isn't bad, and there's still lots of hockey to be played. Comment along with who you think. Going to defenseman, and right now uh, it's on the Flint Flon Bombers. Xavier LaPointe, another already D1 commit, brought to you by Direct West. And uh, he's leading all defensemen in points, so a couple players trying to jump up in there. Mm-hmm. Jared Six is in the running. Sam Kroon of the Nordim Hounds. Noah Barlogi. Uh, Tyson Jansen has had a fantastic year for the Orkton Terriers as well. Mm-hmm. But right now at the halfway, I think you've got to give the slight edge to Xavier LaPointe. Uh, for me, it's not slight. I mean, uh, to me, Xavier is the best defenseman in the league by a good margin. Uh, he's playing over 23 minutes per game on a very good Flin Flon Bombers uh, decor also. He's plus 16 according to Instat. Um, you know, and, and only 10 of his 
22 points around the power play. And again, that, that power play for Flynn Flon, we've talked about it the one-timer to Cole Vardy, who's not healthy right now. But I don't think there's a more complete defenseman than Xavier Lapointe, and that bears out that he's committed. Dark horse, yeah. because he didn't play the full season in the SJHL. Yeah. Kean Calder of the Estevan Bruins. Yeah. If he plays a full season, he's he's if not overtaking mm-hmm. LaPointe, but he's right there. Yeah. And Blair Hansen in the comments there, we talk about the Estevan Bruins nonstop show after show. So <laughs> he's like, let's hear a little on the league leading Bruins. I'm like, we talk about the oh, Bruins. He wants, more Bruins. he wants more Bruins. Wow. But you're, you're going to get plenty of Bruins. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. That's enough out of the Bruins. Yeah. <laughs> Tyson Jansen for uh, Yorkton also deserves a ton of credit. Absolutely. Big minutes, big minutes muncher. And. Big part of Yorkton's success lately. Goaltender of the year, um, Cal Shell, Kale DePape, Race mm-hmm. Ramsey, Boston Below Us. Uh, who yeah. do you got kind of leading the pack? Yeah, and, and I mean, uh, you know what? There's there's a lot of great goalies in this league. I'm going to stick with Race Ramsey because what's the, your job as the goalie is to win the yeah. hockey game, yeah. and he got 21, and the only other person with 21 wins in Canada, Canadian Junior A hockey, oh, is yeah. Ethan Barwick. Of the Brooks Bandits, which is the number one What's team. What's their in record? Too? They're twenty nine one and one right now. And twenty one of the wins are from Barwick. And twenty one are Barwick. Yeah, so, and they okay. just they just made another trade for another goalie actually. But uh, that's <laughs> that's the AJHL at noon show or AJHL at one show. We'll do right after this one. Yeah, yeah, we'll lead up into that. <laughs> right, yeah. Tanner, that's yeah. okay with you. <laughs> <laughs> We're just kidding. So race Ramsey again. I mean, he, there's arguments for all four. Cal Shell leads the league in shutouts with yeah. four. Uh, I think he's second and second respectively in goals against and save percentage. You mm-hmm. got Kale DePape, who's just been on fire. 2003 born rookie, who yeah. I know schools are already looking at him. Uh, rightfully so. So the youth impact is there for DePapia, Boston Belois, who has been on fire for the Estevan Bruins as well. And then if you're a guy who considers workload and wins, then it's unarguably race Ramsey. It's Ramsey. So Ramsey for you? Yep. All right. You can comment along on who you think. I know we have Cal Shell already commented, uh, I believe, if I find the right name here, by one of the Flin Flon fans out there who uh, is really high on Cal Shell, not only winning goalie, but MVP as well. Yeah, the beast of Burlington. I like to call him Burlington, Ontario. <laughs> and uh, again, a uh, guy that uh, I've known a little bit about for a couple of years because a good buddy of mine coached him in Junior B in Hamilton, Ontario. But uh, great to see Cal Shell do well. He's been outstanding. Lots of shutouts this okay, year. Okay, we got a couple more to go before we wrap up the show for this week. Rookie of the year, probably the hardest year oh. to pick a rookie because of Everybody's last year's rookie, carryover. So. Everyone's a rookie. Yeah. But um, Connor McGrath, and again, I'm not being biased. You look on the rookie standings, the top mm. four are from the Notre Dame Hounds and the Humboldt Broncos. It's not yeah. like we're just only focusing on those two teams. But Matthew Perkins, Connor McGrath, Elliot Dutille, Kevin Anderson, and you're not even in those four. What do you mean, you? I mean, I mean you. Like you don't even think it's one of those. Oh, four. Sorry. What are you talking? <laughs> I'm like, I thought you meant like you're saying, Jamie, you're not in. I'm like, what do you mean? Of course, I don't play hockey. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I'm picking Kale DePape because what I think he's doing is more impressive than any of that. <laughs> Ten, seven, and three on the year. Yorkton's two and six this year. When he doesn't start, he's got a two oh six goals against average, nine twenty four save percentage. And again, we've talked about Austin Elliott, talked about James Venn, talked about some other young goalies in this league that have faded a little bit with just this many games, game in, game out. Uh, and but Kale's been able to handle it yeah. in a very impressive way. So you don't see too many 18-year-old goalies in this league having his consistency. Got a shout-out, Jared Sitch. 26 minutes a game, fourth in points, plays all situations for Notre Dame. 
as an 03 birth year assistant captain too. He's been outstanding for the Hounds this year too. DePape is first place in every rookie category for a goaltender, goals against, save percentage, wins. Yeah. Um, and then you got cases for the other four. Matthew Perkins is the youngest. He's uh, 04. The next highest 04, I think, is like 50th in the SJHL in scoring. He's sixth, which mm. is absolutely insane. Yep. You got Elliot Dutille, who has 20 goals, leads all rookies. You got Kevin Anderson, who was making the biggest impact for his team. And mm. then you got Connor McGrath, who leads all rookies in points and is second in the SJHL for 2003 born. So all five of those, along with Kale DePape, yeah. you can make a case for all five, as yeah. I think it's the tightest oh. race uh, for rookie that we've seen in a long, long time. Well, you could probably make a team of all of three birth years and they just be a dynamite. Be I mean, you throw Noah Wills in there, Logan Linklater in there. You know, you go down the list. It's it's crazy. I mean, man, just such an impressive age group. Yeah. Uh, coach of the year for yourself. Again, very tight. There's a lot of reasons to pick out multiple coaches, but who do you, who do you have leading the pack right now? I have Braden Klamosko. His uh, North Stars are fourth. You know, he didn't know how good his team would be. They've been better than anybody would have thought. So I'm going to go with Klamosko. Klamosko's up there. Um, again, 19 players overturned from the Humboldt Broncos. So you got to put Scott Barney, who's the uh, you know second place, I think, right now, based on games played to the Estevan Bruins. Tarnick's done a fine job. And, and Mike Reagan, again, with the Flin Flon Bombers, this is not yeah. a bomber team that has a leading player like a Cole Refuse or a Nate Hooper. They are doing it by committee, yeah. and uh, and he has their team playing as good as they ever have. Except the three, they have three Western Hockey League defensemen now and one, well, sure. one Division One. Uh, they got a really good decor in Flin Flon. So you're leaning, on, Clem- you're leaning on Clemosco because of the, ab- squeezing more the out of absence of WHL players on the roster. Well, he's squeezing them. I, I don't care. I, honestly, I don't care where kids come from. He's squeezing the most out of his roster as well. Fair enough. Doing. And also, got to give a big shout out to Brad Pelking, too, who I work with, <laughs> see every day. But the We're Notre trying Dame not to be coach, biased. Not to be biased. Well, except you pick Scott Barney, but whatever. He's yeah, uh, first place team. He, whatever. I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> Brett Pilkington has done an amazing job squeezing a lot out of a very inexperienced team with injuries and struggles and whatnot. So, again, Brett, Brett's doing a great job, but I'm giving it to Braden Klamasco. The Golden Mike Award for the broadcaster. We need some love, too. And, uh, yeah. Nugsy, uh, who's on your list? Is it yourself? <laughs> You know, I do try to work hard uh, for Notre Dame, <laughs> but I'm going to give it to my good buddy, kind of the grandfather of the crew, Steve Wilson and Weyburn works extremely hard for the Wings. Stephen Wilson, who you got? I, well, the grandfather of the crew, that's not Wilson. It's Robbie Hart. Well, Rob Hart is the <laughs> oldest, but he doesn't really interact as much with his uh, as much as Steve Wilson. Sure, but uh, no, I'll go. I'm going to go Rob Hart. That's 1997, great. he started his SJHL broadcasting career. So shout out to Rob Hart, who does it all for Flynn Fun there. And what is that now? 20, I don't know, my math's bad. But 100 over, years. Uh, 100 years for Rob Hart. Yeah. That, that's right. He gets the Golden Mike Award. And uh, you want a, a, a figure it out or a get it together I award? Just, <laughs> just as we wrap it up, just a quick joke. Just a quick joke. We've had so many cancellations with ice issues and rink issues and the showcase. So the rink workers, I'm kidding. You guys work super hard. We're extremely grateful for you. Don't get mad at me. They already were. They, they already were. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I, it's just a joke. <laughs> Anyways, a joke. Uh, of course, this show is available on all your podcast streams, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you find them. Uh, and looking ahead to this weekend, more SJHL hockey to come throughout the week. No games until tomorrow, though. Nothing happening today. And uh, we are in the push towards the Christmas break, and we all know what happens after that. It just ramps up even more. Yeah, and lots of, lots of playoff races. Six through 11 is crazy. Top of the league is going to be crazy, so... There you go. Also, all this gear on sjhl.ca is being blown out. So if you want some hockey gear, some stocking stuff, or some Christmas gifts, head over there. They're all uh, massive discounts on all the gear on sjhl.ca uh, slash shop. I believe it is there, Jacob. Thank you very much. And uh, that's going to do it for us. Newsy, final thoughts? 
Hey, stay warm. You love you love hockey or what? Stay warm. Do you got anything better to wrap up a segment this time? Stay warm. Okay, great. It's cold S- out there. Subpar once again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for watching. Have a great Monday. We'll be back next Monday right here on SJ Noon.